reason why you should guard your heart? Why is the reason why we should uh, watch the relationships that we participate in? You guys know that every relationship in your life is supposed to benefit you? If the relationships that you're in don't benefit your life, maybe you should double check and ask yourself why you're in those relationships. So what to put in the heart, yeah? So I want to share a little bit about what Jesus' burden is tonight. So Paul says, for this reason I bow my knee and pray. So Paul the Apostle, in Ephesians chapter 3, he's one of, uh, I mean, one of the most renowned evangelists ever, yeah? More people uh, preach from his texts. I mean, he he makes up a large percentage of the New Testament. Um, If he's praying, you want to know why he's praying. And not just praying, he's bowing his knee. It's a certain type of prayer. It's a prayer that gets him on his hands and knees. It's not just a prayer that he walks around throughout the day and he's just like humming it in his mind. Because we know we pray all day, right? Yeah, we conversate with Jesus all day. Yes? Well, if you don't, you should. You know? It's like an ongoing conversation. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, yeah, what's up, Jesus? And then I take a step and I'm like, yeah, thank you for the steps that I get to take in the morning. Then I look myself in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, God, you created some goodness right here. And we conversate with God throughout the day, and we conversate with him with all kinds of prayers, prayers of praise, advocation. Um, the election is, is, is days away. I hope you guys have been praying about your country. This election is probably one of the most polarized um, presidential uh, uh, candidate co- competitions that we've had. I hope you guys are praying for your country. That's what Paul says. He says, pray for your country. Pray for your government. Yeah, pray for the authorities. So Jesus um, puts something on Paul's heart that gets him to pray a certain type of prayer where he humbles himself and he bows his knee and he says, this is what I pray for on his knees. Yeah. Anybody been around somebody who prays on their knees? Or you ever been around somebody who prays and you're like, bro, that is a good prayer. And you like, you try to take notes to their prayer. Anybody been there? It shucks, maybe it's only me, my bad. Yeah? You guys ever get into a prayer group and you're like, what in the world is going on here? It's like they're praying and nobody else is in the room and it's just them and Jesus. If you haven't, you need to get into some prayer groups with some people. Yeah? Some people have this language with Jesus that is so intimate and so connected that it's almost like Jesus is sitting right next to him. And I think this is one of those prayers for Paul. Yeah? So Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knee and pray. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus. Yeah. And he has them on his heart. And what is Paul's desire for them? So it says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from which um, every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being that he may grant you strength with power in your inner being that the holy spirit of god might come and strengthen you where not in your triceps and your biceps i brought us they're like yeah strengthen me jesus no strengthen you in your inner being so that you can understand the love of god the love of god is best demonstrated in what symbol What symbol do we know 
that shows the climax of God's love for humanity, the cross. Yeah? Paul bowed his knee and he prayed that we would be strengthened in the deepest part of our lives. Yeah? That we would be strengthened in the core of our being. Strengthened so that we could be able to understand what the love of God is. How far Christ would go for a burden. How far Christ would take it. How far he would take the calling that was put on him. He would go up into a way where he would live his life for it and then pay the ultimate price for it. Because there's different types of sacrifices that we, we make. There's sacrifices like a death sacrifice. So like say I have uh, four um, I have two nephews and two nieces, yeah? And, uh, you know, if I'm walking in, like, my niece on the, uh, down the road and there's, like, a car, you know, and I'm, like, save, you know, like, saving my niece, you know, like, push her out of sight and boom, get ran over, you know? That would be a death sacrifice. Like, take, taking a bullet for somebody that you love, that's a death sacrifice. Jesus took the death sacrifice on the cross, but not only did he do the death sacrifice, he did the living sacrifice, where he lived a life that wasn't his own, but it was the Father's. See, because when Christ went on the cross, he knew that all power had been given to him. He knew that he was the Son of God at that moment, and he could have when he was being mocked by the Pharisees, and they're like, you know, you said you could rebuild the temple in three days, and you can't even get yourself down that cross. And he's like, brothers, you're lucky. I'm humble. (laughs) If there's anyone who could have come off that cross... It was Jesus. Jesus did the living sacrifice and the death sacrifice for tonight. Not just for you to forgive your sins, but for what we're talking about tonight. You have to know that God had you on his mind, that Jesus had tonight on your mind. That Jesus knew that you would be here. It wasn't just like you were randomly selected to come. That Jesus handpicked you and said, you're going to be here at GBC on this November 4th to hear this message because it can change your life. That when God grabs a hold of your heart and strengthens you in your inner being, your entire life will change. You want to change a life? Ask God for a burden. If you're struggling with sin, ask God to give you anguish. If you love Jesus, but you're like, oh, man, you know, I love Jesus, but I love the world, and I'm just riding that line. I love going to GBC, but I like going to parties. I like hanging out and singing songs of praise, but I like singing songs of, like, booty dancing and drugs, too. If you're having a hard time with that, that line, ask God to give you a little bit of his heart. Because once he puts that in there, everything will change. You want to pray more? Ask God to break your heart. You want to read the Bible more? Ask God to put that on your heart. Once God gives you a burden, once God gives you a cause, everything changes. Everything changes. Ask yourself tonight, what is the desire of your heart? Sit here, sit here and think, what is my desire? 
what am I living for currently? And if you're under 18, part of that is your guardians. Yeah, your parents, those that protect you. Part of what you, re- you live is, is according to um, your guardians and those that are over you. Yeah, that's a part of it. But, but what, what is the reason? You guys know that 60 to 70% of all those who graduate from high school also graduate from the church and never come back. Because there wasn't that ownership. Yeah, there wasn't that ownership. I love seeing the generation. You guys know a lot of the young adults that are in here that are your leaders. They were here before. And it absolutely brings tons of joy in my life to see these young men sitting here and serving Jesus. Because I saw them when they were sitting in your seat. And we were praying for them. And God gave them a burden. And they're still walking out that walk now. But how many? When they were here, it was probably, what, like 50 to 75, maybe 100 young people on a Sunday night. And there's a handful in this place. God gave them something and their hearts were open to something that changed them and set them apart from everybody else. If you guys want to be like everybody else in your high school, yeah, then totally blow off anything I'm saying and just sing the songs, have fun, and at least you'll have a good experience. But if you want to be here serving Jesus 10 years from now, what I'm telling you tonight will change your life. Yeah. You want to change? You want your world to change? You want to be used by Jesus? Ask for a burden. Good stuff? Come on. You guys are all, I got that from you guys. I use that up country, you know. GBC, you guys better wake up. Okay, so the second thing. Um, so it kind of goes BCD, okay? So burden, calling, okay? Um, so Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knee and pray. The second thing I want to talk about as far as a, a burden goes is um, that Jesus gives us a ridiculous opportunity to call on him. Yeah, it's called prayer. Yeah, to call on Jesus. To call on Jesus. There's two images that I want to talk to you about. The first image of Christ, because we've got all kinds of different images, right? We have Christ as a little adolescent who um, doesn't go with his parents, and he stays in church, and his parents come back three days later, and they're like, where you been? He's like, I've been in the house of the Lord doing my thing. Where you been? They're like, come here. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it doesn't say it, but read it. Guarantee he got lickings, okay? Because post that, it said he was obedient, and he followed his parents, okay? J- good Jewish uh, family, and Jesus got spankings, okay? Ask him when you get to heaven. Um, so the first, we, we got all kinds of different image, images of Christ. The, the first image I want to talk to you that is different than most. Uh, give, give me an image. When I said Jesus in scripture, give me an image. Like a story, brother. Like a story, not, you know, characteristics. Like story. You think about Jesus. You don't think about Jesus. Great. Um, uh, how about Jesus walking on the water? Yeah? Jesus walking on the water. He comes out, and then Peter's like, is this you, Jesus? And he's like, of course it's me. Who else walks on the water? You know, come out, and they, they start walking together, right? Give me another image of Jesus from Scripture. Great, you don't read your Bible either. Um, okay, how about another one? Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. Yeah, I knew. I just stole it from you. I, I knew. I got the, yeah. Um, Jesus feeding the 5,000 people, right? They're sitting down. The disciples come up to him, and he said, it's pretty late in the evening. We should tell these people to go home. He's like, why? You give them something to feed. He's like, me. No. Yeah? Jesus feeds the 5,000, they collect all the extra, and they're like, okay, you're the man. Okay? 
Um, all right, the leaders, of the leaders to the test, okay? I don't want to challenge just the, the you know, everybody else. Um, leaders, John chapter 6. No, no. Okay, so John chapter 5, 6, okay? Jesus feeds the 5,000, posts that. The people follow him because they understand that he not only is the bread of life, but he gives bread on the abundance. And they're like, you know, they, they ate the 5,000, the 5,000 ate the bread, and they're like, this is good bread. Amen? Jesus gives you stuff, and it's good. Amen? Yeah, Jesus' blessings are good, and the people recognize it. And they're like, I'm going to follow this guy. Jesus turns to them and says, you have to, in, in so much words, he says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's right, right, that's right. A little bit slow, you know, Sunday night, Sunday evening, long weekend, they had church this morning. Jesus looks to the crowd, okay, and by this time, he had like, talk about mega church. He had people following him, like Jesus was running away from them, and they would follow him. He tells them, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and scripture says that the masses leave. The masses leave. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, what about you guys? You guys going to? Is this too hard for you? Peter says, no. Your words lead to eternal life. I'm staying. All my cards are in. I'm not going anywhere. Your words are different than anybody else's I've ever heard. Your words lead to eternal life. Good stuff, huh? It's scriptural. You have to say great stuff, okay? Okay, so another image. Different image than than we know. Different image than any other image that we know of Christ. We have Christ on the cross, Jesus being resurrected, Jesus feeding people. But there's two images. Uh, Jesus does it one time at the beginning of his ministry, He does it again at the end of his ministry. Jesus comes into the church, and he doesn't play church. He's like, he throws a rager at church. Not like a party rager. Like, I'm furious, and I'm pissed, and all of you guys are going to get it. One of the counts, Jesus makes a whip and goes in and starts jacking fools. Okay? So what would happen is is the Jewish community would, would travel long distances to come and pray. And in order to pray, they would have to make sacrifices. So the church, being a good church, they would um, help the people out, and they would provide them with um, animal sacrifices. Sheep, you know, like uh, uh, people would come in, and they could purchase animals for them to make their sacrifices. But they weren't just providing the opportunity. They were jacking up the prices. So they were cheating out their brothers and sisters in the house of God. So Jesus comes in, and he's furious, and he makes a statement that was in, uh, you can find it in the Old Testament, Isaiah uh, 20, Isaiah 56. It says that my house shall be a house of prayer. Like if there's one characteristic that's supposed to be the characteristic of God and his people and his house, it's supposed to be that we are a praying people. Like, how are we going to know someone if you never talk to them? I have, uh, I have friends in, 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 in the mainland that I met during college, and uh, at best, 
our relationship stays status quo because I don't talk to them every day. I don't talk to them every week. Shucks, sometimes I don't talk to them every six months, maybe a couple times in a year. And at our very best, our relationship stays where it is. It never deepens. It never progresses. It never, like, exceeds because we don't talk enough. So at best, it stays there. And some of them, it kind of, like, retracts, you know? Because we don't talk, like, we get so disconnected that it's like, shucks, I don't even know who you are anymore. That cannot be the characteristic of your relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, my house shall be a house of prayer. My house shall be a house of prayer. So that's one image of Jesus, okay? And I'm going to read a, a different image of Jesus to you. I, I'm not going to give you the context to it yet because I, I want you guys just to listen. Um, I just want you to listen real fast to, to this, and I'll give you the, the reference afterwards. So this is John, yeah, uh, the apostle. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper, um, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed with white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and pearls of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was um, a sea of glass like crystal, and around the throne on each of the throne, um, yes, uh, are four living creatures full of eyes uh, in the front and behind. The, the first living creature uh, had a face like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was, had a face uh, of a man. And the fourth had a living, uh, was a living creature like an eagle in flight. The four living creatures, each of them uh, with six wings full of eyes all around them with day and night. They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You guys get that image? There's like this throne that is like ridiculous and it's like hooked up. It's like more beautiful than anything that John could even describe. And then around that throne is, is 24 other thrones with other like cool dudes with crowns and white garments. And he's like, man, these guys are amazing. And then in the midst of those guys are four living creatures that, that look like different things. One like an eagle in flight, the other one like a man, you know, and, and they're screaming out. Um, and in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, when they would say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, it says there would be like this, this rumbling that happens. But it wouldn't fall apart, uh, 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 the, the throne wouldn't fall apart, but it was like this like crazy earthquake would happen. And then this essence would, would kind of arise within that rumbling. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever, the 24 elders would fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Crazy, yeah. And that's God the Father. Okay? The one on the throne that, that John is describing is, is God the Father. So I'm going to get to the, the part where it talks about Jesus now. Then I saw, oh wait, I'm going to skip. Uh, 
Oh, no, I'll go from there. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within, um, within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So the one sitting on the throne has a scroll and it's unopenable. And so John starts weeping. He's like, oh, my God, the end of the world. Then the angel tells him, um, or and one of the elders said to him, weep no more. Behold. And behold, uh, you, you can do a word search on behold. It's an amazing word. Do a word search on behold and see all the different places that behold is mentioned. Yeah, behold, like gazing upon, like not just glancing, but looking intently. Like, you know, brothers, when you're walking by and then the hot girl goes by and you're like, yeah. No, actually, you guys don't do that here, right? Sorry. Sorry, sorry. You guys, bad example, bad example. None of you guys have ever done that at all. None. None. Sorry, bad example. No, sorry. Yeah. Um, be, beholding. Yeah. Like you're just like nothing else matters. It's like you're looking through a telescope and you don't want to move and you can't even like you don't even move yourself. If not, you like mix. You miss what you're looking at. So the elder tells John, behold, look over there. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Who is he talking about? That's a good name. Yeah, that's a good name to say. That's a good song, shucks. No other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Man, you can just leave here with that alone, and you're good. So verse 6, chapter 5, Revelation. And between the throne... And this is the good part, can't get it. And between the throne and the four living creatures, among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, a song that they'd never sang before. The 24 elders and the four living creatures and the multitude that was, that was in that presence sang a new song. And the song was, worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. You ransomed people for God. Jesus went to the cross for us, for this time, for this purpose, so that you would not just exist, but that you would thrive and live John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come to bring you life to the fullest. To the fullest. The world gives you guys uh, all kinds of different messages. 
part of the message that the world gives you is that life isn't really worth a whole lot. Where does that message come? In the fact that they're passing abortion laws. Where the value of life is, eh, I don't know, you know, like it's still in the mother, so it's not necessarily living yet. You guys know one-third of this generation isn't here because of abortion? One-third of this generation didn't even have a chance. You want to talk about genocide? Legalized genocide, maybe, in our nation. Currently, already legalized in some states. Another message that this world tells you is that if you go to school and you get good grades and you go to college and you graduate college four years um, and then you, you get out there, you get a good job, a good nine-to-five working job and you get married and you have 2.3 kids and you, you, know, you, live for, uh, you work for 40 years and then you retire and you buy your own home, like that's a successful life. That's a lie. That's a lie. And I'm not saying education isn't important. I got my bachelor's and I have my master's. Education is super important. One thing I didn't want to do in high school, like when I was thinking about what I wanted to become, I didn't want to be an uneducated Hawaiian. I've seen too many of guys like that. And it forced me to get off this rock, and I got an education, and I came back. And then a couple of years later, I ended up getting my master's too. Education, super important. You have to understand what is going on in this world. You have to understand what God is doing in this world. But just because you go to school and college and you graduate and you get a good job, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful in this life. Because life throws curveballs at you. Life throws circumstances at you. And if you cannot handle those circumstances, doesn't matter how much college you have, doesn't matter uh, how much... Um, money you make, because all of that you can lose in no time. So two different images that Jesus gives us, or that scripture tells us. One, Jesus pissed because his house isn't a house of prayer. And then in the end, Jesus on the throne. And I read right through it. How many of you guys caught that part about prayer? What was there? So we had the 24 elders, we had the four living creatures. What piece of humanity was in the throne at that time? The extension of ourselves that's found in heaven, in the throne. Like God is all holy and, and, and there's no sin in him, around him, or anywhere near him. Sin, which means that we're out, Okay. Because Romans says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wage of sin is death. And because we're sinful, we deserve death. God is all holy. Man is sinful. Amen? God is holy. Man is sinful. God is holy and we are sinful. We have no right to be found in the presence of God. And yet, there's an extension of us that Jesus gives us that has direct access into the throne. One of my most, most, most favorite but, but bone-chilling scriptures that, that I love but, but hate but love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, We must all give an account one day that we must stand before the throne of God and answer 
for all that we've said. Like, what are you going to do, yeah, when the piercing eyes of God is looking down at you? And he's like, hey, what are you going to feel in that moment? Are you going to be like, Jesus, I've waited my entire life for this moment. I've prayed and I've tried and I've struggled and I persevered and I've gone to church and I've read my Bible and I prayed and I tried my hardest to make sure I wasn't the only one in heaven, but I brought like as many of my family members and my friends and my teachers and my enemies and my cousins and all those fathers that I walk around during the fair and the mall. Like I tried my very hardest to make sure that I wasn't the only one here and I've waited for this moment my entire life. Is that going to be your heart? Or are you going to stand before God and just be like, oh, shucks, Pastor John was right. Jesus gives us an opportunity like none other that this world can offer you. An opportunity to commune with him. We don't know how far God is away from us, but we know that he is a prayer away. Amen? Like, I don't know how far heaven is away from earth, but I know if I bow my heart and pray, Jesus answers. That when my heart has a burden and I cry out to God, God's, hear, uh, God's ear is not deaf to me. Like, God's ear is attentive to my prayer. You guys ever feel like you walk around school and nobody notices you? Or you're in a big family. How many times come from a family that has like three or more kids? My dad was raised and he was one of 11. You know, you talk about like not being heard. Try six billion people and your prayer heard. You have God's attention at the very bowing of your heart. Yeah. So we have a burden. Yeah. And we also have a calling to pray. I just want to say that lastly, we have a decision to make. Yeah. We have a decision to make tonight. And I just have this, um, this quote that I actually used when Ryan guys were in high school. I don't know if they remember it, but it's good. Okay. Um, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men and women to do nothing. You guys heard it a little bit in the video. Yeah. That Satan doesn't have to throw some crazy demons at you and make you like some prostitute or make you some drug addict. Like all he has to do is get you to do nothing. To get you to do nothing. There's 52 Sundays out of the year. How many of those 52 Sundays are you going to go to church? Only 52 Sundays. Some of you guys think like, ah, that's kind of a lot. I think like, are you serious? I want to go more. When I went to college, uh, shucks, I wish I went for education. I seriously went up there and I went to church as much as I could. Like six nights a week, I was at some kind of Bible study, some kind of service project. Uh, one of the evenings, there was nothing, and we created a worship service. 
Like me and my friends, 10 to 12 o'clock at night, took our guitars out, and we'd just go out and just jam and worship and pray and support one another. Like, I love Jesus. And the side benefit was that I got a bachelor's degree out of it. Amen? And I learned how to play ping pong real good. I was like my, my minor. But what, what Satan wants to do, yeah, because if you're talking about God, you have to talk about his opposite. It's just get you to do nothing. Like too lazy to pray, too lazy to go to church. More excited about things of the world than things about God. And, 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 and I was preparing this message, and I was coming down, and I was like, God, ah, because I, I know, because I've seen it. I've been working with youth now for 10 years. And it's not the first time I preached a sermon like this. I've walked hand in hand with people for years only to get to a point where they no longer want to walk next to me and no longer do they want to walk next to Jesus. Yeah. They like all the good things about Christianity, not the hard things. They like the fact that they can come around a group of people and the people not going to judge them, you know? You can always come to a Christian church. Why? Because they're not supposed to judge you. And if they do, you can tell them, like, ah, you're not supposed to judge me. You're supposed to love me, you know? So you can come in and you can have the front seat and you can eat the food. You can leave early. You can show up late, you know? You can do whatever you want, really. And the Christians are supposed to love you. Right? Leaders, right? I mean, they're going to speak truth to you, but you can just blow them off. Like, you shouldn't do that. Oh, well, I'm still going to do it. Can I come to church on Sunday? <sighs> yes. <laughs> so I'm coming down, and I'm like, man, God. I know there's going to be young people there that are just going to be like, who is this guy? Blah, 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 blah. I just start to pray. I start to pray. I said, Jesus, change the life. Because I can preach a sermon. I can be entertaining. I can whatever. I can articulate these things and answer the call that God has put on my life. But, but only Jesus can come in and say, hey, you, I want to use you. You've been created for more. There's people in your life are never going to go to church but they need you to be the church some of your friends around you don't even own a bible let alone want to read a bible but they want to read your life and you got to be the walking bible for them jesus wants to come and knock upon somebody's heart here and say like hey i was here two thousand years ago but i'm not walking around now they need to see jesus can you walk that walk for them see there's somebody here and that's the reason why I'm here. There's somebody here tonight that God has hand-selected and said, hey, I want to use you for more. I've given you gifts and talents and people around you. I've supported you. I've given you understanding and knowledge. But I want to I show you what all of that is for. I put you out of church at a youth group with pastors and leaders that pray for you, support you. They talk about relationships and guarding your heart. I want to set your heart on fire now. That's what I was praying for. I was coming down. I was like, Jesus, there's somebody here tonight. And I know it's not everybody because that's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. I mean, that's my desire. I know it's Jesus' desire. Jesus' desire was that none would be, 
none would be lost, that none would perish, but everyone would come to um, salvation, that everyone would come to that eternal understanding that Jesus lives in me now and present. And if I walk with Jesus now, I'm going to walk with Jesus later. That's God's heart. That's Jesus' desire. But, but is that going to happen? I've sat in youth services, like in rooms that are like, shucks, like small, with 120 young people just on fire for the Lord. I've sat in services where five services in a row, week after week after week after week. Every time I told the, the gospel presentation, people would say, like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've seen 200 people standing around a public high school uh, prayer, uh, flagpole weeping. I've seen football teams show up and bow their knee and pray that God would come and save their school. And I've also seen a bunch of those kids stand up from that prayer and a week, a month, a year later, never turn back. Let's get serious here. Jesus went to the cross, yes, to forgive you of your sins, but second, to send you on to the lost. That if you're here tonight, you have to know that God has been hands-on in your life. That God has been initiating a relationship to you. That even when you leave here, God is like this. Hey, what's up? Hey, pay attention. You know, that Jesus is like adamant. Jesus is like Pursuing us in this love, intimate relationship. If you are here tonight, you have to know that God is present and active. If you don't know, start praying. I challenge you to pray. Like, God, reveal yourself to me. I promise you, he will, and you'll be like, hey, thank you, Jesus. So the heart burden of, of Jesus, yeah? He gives us a burden. Yeah. He gives us the opportunity to pray. Yeah. And then we got to make a decision. Yeah. We got to make a decision. You guys make decisions every day of your life. Yeah. What clothes am I going to wear? Yeah. What clothes am I not going to wear? What am I going to say? Who am I going to talk to? Yeah. Uh, when, um, when you guys are instructed to pray with somebody, you know, boys are boys, girls are girls. You know, guys are like, shucks, I wanted to pray with a girl tonight. Dang it. You know, you guys got to make decisions all the time. And I'm telling you, this decision, this one decision is different than any other decisions that you make. Not only in a day, but maybe in a lifetime. And it's a decision to respond to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I want to be accounted for. I want to be set apart for you and your purposes. Yeah. I want to save my heart for you. I want to set my heart, my life, my choices, my desires for you and your glory. So I don't have to be all like moody for you guys to get that, you know? We are unashamed about Jesus. Yeah. 
we are unashamed about Jesus here. But we have to live that unashamed life in the lives that we live because when we stand before Jesus on the final day, and I don't want to scare you, but it's the truth. Read it in the Bible. When we stand before Jesus, if we are unashamed about him in this life, yeah, he is not going to know us later. So don't let it be, a, a, it's not a scare tactic, okay? I'm not trying to scare you into this relationship. I just want to let you know that God loves you, and he gives us a crazy opportunity to love others. It's summed up in one scripture. Jesus was tested by one of the Pharisees, and one of the Pharisees says, of all the scriptures, what is the most important? Like, what is the reason for me to be here? I want to be about that one thing. Jesus responded real simply. He said, the Lord our God is one. Love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we respond to Jesus? Love him and love those by, by you. Yeah, you got that vertical relationship where we love God, we talk to him and he talks to us, you know. We read the Bible and he interprets. We go to church and God meets with us here. But then you got that horizontal relationship where we love those on our left and we love those on, on our right. We love those who love us and then we love those who hate us. Amen? Real simple. I know I've talked a bunch tonight and I'm supposed to look at the clock, but I can't even see the clock. But I think we're getting pretty close. If you feel like you're that person tonight, that what I'm saying is like not just going through your ears, but it's like piercing the heart, yeah? Some of you guys are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'm not talking to you, Ted. <laughs> okay? But if you feel like what I share tonight is, is like, oh, man, that's some good stuff, yeah? I, I just want you guys to pray one prayer. It says, Jesus, share your heart with me. Simple prayer. But I want you to pray it tonight before you go to sleep. Write it on your mirror, yeah? Write it on your folder. Write it on your Bible. Write it on your hand, yeah? Put it on your screensaver, yeah? Throw it on Instagram tomorrow, the next day, the next day, yeah? Text it to your friend so your friend can text it back to you. Jesus, share your heart with me. And then just be ready. Just be ready to, to, to be sensitive to know what it is. Like God's going to reveal that heart to you, and then you're going to be like, oh, shucks, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Let me just end with one scripture tonight. Uh, our Monday night crew has been going over Luke. Luke is a good book. We started it in like March, and we're only on like chapter 10. Seriously. It's taking us forever, but it's good. Um, so Jesus sends out the 72, okay? So Jesus just sent out 12 apostles. They came back. They're casting out demons, raising people from the dead, healing the sick. Like they're like, oh, man, like crazy things are happening, okay? Jesus wasn't that excited with the 12. Jesus sends out the 72 other people, not the 12 selected one, to, uh, 72 others. Everybody say 72 others, okay? Others, which means you guys, okay? 
So like, I'm like the 12. No, I'm just joking, okay? Uh, like 72 other random guys like, that are following him. Like, hey, you and you, okay? You two are going out, boom. And they go out. So these 72 come back, and they're like, man, uh, even the demons were subjected to me, which was a cool thing because Jesus never gave them the power to cast out demons, but they were still casting out demons. Real cool, okay? Jesus says, I saw Satan falling from heaven onto earth. They're like, yeah, that's sick, okay? And then for the first documented time, in Luke, I'm sure Jesus thanked God all the time. But the first documented time, yeah, verse 21 of, of 10, Luke 10, it says, In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. So the first time that Jesus, like, documented, gave thanks to God was when the 72 came back. Okay? And this is why he uh, was so ecstatic. He says, I'm excited, Jesus said to God the Father, because you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, or anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That the, the, the revelation that God gave Jesus' understanding of who each other was, was being translated over to the 72. That the 72 got it. That Jesus wasn't just a man. That the words that he says wasn't just for earth, but for eternity. Jesus started to understand that they were understanding that things here mattered for eternity that the lives that they were living now had eternal consequence. That what you, do natter, what you do now will echo throughout like eternity and forever and forever and forever. That if you love somebody now, that person could be loved forever and ever and ever. What do I mean? Because if you love them now and you invite them to Jesus, that's going to be an eternal thing that just kept on getting reciprocated over and over and over because you love them now and Jesus is going to meet them then because you love them then and he's going to continue to love them over and over. And you guys get it, yeah? So Jesus was ecstatic that the 72 got it. They got it. And my prayer is that you would get it. Tonight, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now. That before we stand before God on the throne, that we would get it. That Jesus is real. He is here. He's available. And if we respond to him, our entire lives could change. So pray that one prayer. Jesus, reveal your heart to me. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for tonight. Um, Lord, you're a good God. You are a good God. 